Welcome back to another episode of A Gift from Adversity. My name is Julia Love. I'm your host. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. Today, I am recording episode 14. I'm very excited to have my guest, Damian Otter. Then、um, I would like to introduce my book before I introduce him. My book is called A Gift from Adversity, which is the same title as this podcast. The subtitle is Overcoming Sexual Abuse, Domestic Violence, Bullying, and Homelessness. After I experienced all of this growing up in Japan, I decided to publish my book, and it was published in 2020, and it's available on Amazon. After I published my book, a lot of people told me about the adversity, and I felt very compelled to create a social media platform. Where people can come and talk about their adversities. Not only that, to share the tools that they use to overcome and the gift that came from it. So, Damien, thank you so much for being here and be a part of a Gift from Adversity podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Can you tell our audience who you are and what you do? Sure. So、uh, my name is Damien Otar, and、um, my background is in、uh, community based mental health.、Um, I started a company、um, about a year ago called、um, JCO Group of Services, where I provide、um, life coaching services and also、uh, leadership coaching,、um, where I've taken sort of my niche in、um, community based mental health, and I work with individuals and families. Um, deal with a wide range of challenges and adversities,、um, and where I sort of teach l- life skills、um, to individuals and also to families as well.、Um, I've taken a lot of my own personal story, my own personal journey, and I've really infused that into、um, my sort of professional training and development, and really you know, put those two together. In how I deliver services to people. So it's very personalized,、um, very individualized. And、um, I see a piece of me in sort of every case, every individual that I work with. And so、um, I bring a lot of passion to my work because of my life experience and the experience of others that I've met along the way. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And what are your website, social media handle that people can? Find more and reach out to you? Sure. So, I actually do have a podcast as well. It's called The Builder's Channel,、um, where I spend about four to five minutes just addressing、uh, different sort of life topics. For instance, how to set goals、um, and how to deal with certain types of、um, stressful events.、Um, I try not to overload the listener with too much details, but just to Give a few pointers and、um, some actionable tools that they can walk away with. And I try to condense that in about four to five minutes. So、um, folks can find me by just looking up my name, Damien Otar, D A M I O N, last name O U T A R. And it is on a number of,、um, I know definitely on YouTube and Spotify.、Um, I also have an Instagram、um, that's underscore JCO group underscore and a Facebook 
is JCO Group. Um, I can also be contacted directly by my email, which is D as in Damien, O-U-T-A-R at jcogroup.org. Well, thank you so much thank you. for sharing that. And along with that, how did we meet? Well, we jury, we met actually um, quite coincidentally. We were at uh, um, a district conference for the um, the Rotary Club, where I am a Rotary member and soon to be board director for one, for one of our clubs, um, the club here in Quincy. And um, we were at the district conference, and um, I think I was walking by, and you asked me to take a picture of yourself and uh, another gentleman, and um, we just chatted briefly and. Um, you had mentioned about your, your your channel and kind of what it was about. And I immediately sort of fell in love with the idea. I think by sharing stories, the, the ability to share stories and particularly to share them with a particular goal of um, helping others um, and sort of having a positive direction and not being bitter, but to share it in a way that is constructive, I find to be extremely helpful. Um, I've been in the mental health space for over 20 years, and I have found that when I'm able to just work with persons, just as a human to a human and not necessarily in a clinical space, but where I'm just able to just tell my story, I found it to be much more powerful than, I mean, there is a role for therapy, there is a role for clinical interventions, but I find that the ability to tell my story has been extremely effective in helping other people. And so I will always jump at the opportunity to tell my story because I've seen what it has done. I appreciate that a lot. So let's jump into our first question, which is the adversity. What was your adversity? So the one that I thought of sharing tonight was um, happened at or around when I was 10 years old. Um, I'm from Jamaica. Um, and at that time, um, qualifying for high school was a very competitive process. You had to sit very um, stringent examinations and based on the, your, your, your grade, it would determine not only whether you'd be able to go to a high school, but what type of high school, what, what class or what category of high school. And um, I was fortunate, I was successful um at, at getting some very good grades for high school however um during that year my parents um decided to relocate so i'm from the city we're from i'm from the city and um they decided to relocate to a more rural part of the country and so my parents were really forced to make the decision whether or not to have me move with the entire family or somehow stay in the city and you know get to start the high school and so it was a very difficult decision for them um, but they elected to have me stay while they relocated and so um, my parents did provide some oversight in terms of trying to find a place for me where for me to live um, but you know obviously it's not the same as living with your family and so I ended up staying with someone who I believe went to church with my mom. And um, there began sort of my 
my entire life, my entire high school experience in terms of my living situation was unstable because throughout my entire years, you know, I lived in multiple places. You know, I lived one place in sort of, I had to leave in either six months or nine months or a year. And so, you know, I was actually thinking about this um, a couple of years ago. Um, I was trying to count how many places I lived and I, I couldn't land on a number because it was just so, you know, for a child, at, I mean, I was 10 years old at the time and I graduated high school when I was 16. So my those six years were just spent in this very uncertain space, but then I had to show up for school. I had to try to perform there. Um, I was taking care of my own domestic uh, activities. I was cooking and washing and all those things for myself, starting at age 10. Um, and, and just having to deal with a lot of the social and emotional challenges that went into, you know, living in these different um, spaces. And, and some were more challenging than others. And um, to somehow have having to, and, and I'm developing as a child. Because again, I mean, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, you're still a child and you're still trying to find yourself and while having to manage all these different dynamics in your home environment um, while having to study and staying out of trouble. I went to an all-boy high school. And, and so, you know, there were just so many things that I was stepping into the world of the unknown um, while having to maintain you know a certain academic standard a, a certain behavioral standard um and so that was rather challenging um so you know that was pretty much the adversity that i had to deal with and then shortly after leaving high school you know my father passed away and um just kind of having to deal with that as well um and especially passing away when i missed significant chunks of my relationship with him and so dealing with grieving with losing him but then having to deal with the the disconnect of not having him with me on a daily basis as I went throughout school and having to manage all those different dynamics but um, as I believe we will come to at some point later in the show it really helped to build and prepare me for where I am today Thank you so much for sharing that, Damien. I really appreciate um, you bravely sharing that story. So what I don't quite understand is, so you lived with different people and mm -hmm. then different span. Like, what was the main reason that you were doing that, you had to do that? So, like I said, you know, my parents relocated and they had to move from the city oh. um, to a more rural part of the country. And so in, in order, and I, I probably should have colored this a little bit more. So to get to school on a daily basis, it just would not be practical in terms of transportation. So it's almost like being in Boston and your parents moving to New York. So they either take you to New York with, with and miss out on the academic opportunity, or they kind of leave you behind in, in Boston and, and help you kind of figure it out along the way. That is too much for such a young age. 
Mm-hmm. It was a lot. And why did you have to take care of yourself and cook and then all that? Well, because you know, if you are you're you're in the you're boarding essentially at someone's home, and um, you know, you were kind of the sort of unspoken arrangement was that you know you kind of have this room here, but you know the rest of it you have to kind of take care of. <coughs> Excuse me. So it wasn't as though you know they were agreeing to house me and then do all these other things. It was just we're affording you the ability to kind of stay here, but the rest you're kind of on your own. So thankfully, um, you know, my parents had prepared me as a child and um, did so with all my other siblings. Um, they were just basic things that we had to learn how to do. And so it came in very handy. So growing up that environment and looking back, um, do you remember the feelings that you have to kind of subdued, hide, maybe sadness, um, maybe missing parents, like, you know, but you still have to, you told me you still have to perform and maintain. That must be very, very difficult. And then to have that kind of awareness as a child is very mature. You almost have to skip your youth and yes, being yes. a child and then grow up suddenly. Yes, actually. And the way you described it is, 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 is a perfect description. So, yes, I did skip a lot of kind of what it was to be or what it meant to be a child. Um, because unlike a lot of my peers, um, I, I was performing the, a lot of the duties of an adult, you know, being responsible for, you know, getting up on time, you know, getting to school on time, um, and in, in many ways kind of navigating the high school system. I mean, my, my mom, who at the time was a, a principal and teacher, she um, she owned an elementary school. We we call it a basic school, um, but, but here it would be the equivalent to kind of pre-K, I should say, kind of pre-K and K. Um, so she knew enough to understand that, and she really w attempted to really engage with the school system so as to, so I wasn't a hundred percent on my own, but you know, what she was undertaking to do to kind of manage two separate ho homes, if you will, uh, home in the rural area where all my other siblings were, um, and then trying to kind of come to where I was and help manage that process, it was just really untenable. I mean, she didn't have a car. She had to take multiple buses to come, you know, just to be there and then had to take multiple buses to get back. And so for the first year or so of my high school, she really tried doing both. But over time, she just couldn't. So I just had to really pick up the reins. And I could definitely see the stress on her. Um, as a child, I was a very, very observant child and there were many things that I saw and internalized um and so I did everything that I could to show her that I was managing and I was doing okay so she didn't have to worry um and you you alluded or you you inferred something earlier in terms of um 
or at least you know you implied and I inferred that it was an emotional period for me and it was there were many nights when um you know I would cry going to sleep um again like I said um in some of these spaces where I lived um some folks were less than kind let's put it that way um you know sometimes a lot of mean things were said and um sometimes they would know that i heard sometimes they didn't know that i heard some of the things that were being said and so i would just kind of privately um, try to manage some of those things um so you know again all of those experiences and actually at some point in the future i i i want to write a book and i really want to get into some details about this because i believe that um you know, a lot of good came out of those experiences. And so these are some of the things that really fuels the work that I do now. And so whenever I'm working with anybody or any family who is disenfranchised or is broken in some way, whether it be mental illness or just socioeconomic challenges, um, I remember my own story. And it gives me the humility the, and the patience and the wherewithal to help that person get from one point to the other, because in many ways I was that person. Do you remember some of the things that was said to you? Um, I, I, not word for word, but um, they were just mean in nature. Um, you know, I remember. Um, at one of the homes where I lived, uh, there were two other kids there who was the, uh, the, the, da the daughters of the person who was hosting me. And I remember that she was having a really hard time getting her kids to be disciplined around coming home and doing their homework. They were playing all the time. And I remember she, the lady was kind of yelling at them one time and she made reference to the fact that I am living there and um, my parents aren't there yet. I was doing my homework without anybody telling me. And so the way she started it out, it actually felt like a compliment, but then she kind of walked over to me and just gave me this really mean look. And whatever she said, it was in Patois, which is a, a, a which is a dialect in Jamaica, like a different language. But in English, it kind of meant "look at you." But it was an angry, like it's almost like she was mad that I had the self-discipline to come home and do my own homework without somebody telling me to do it, and she was mad that her kids were not doing it, even though she was there. And I remember at the time I was sitting around a table, you know, doing some work. And when she walked over to me and kind of gave me that mean look and made that statement, I remember almost like shrinking in, in, in like, almost like a ball, like I just wanted to disappear. And I just waited a few minutes and I just got up and I just went into the room and I closed the door. And I just remember getting in the bed and just you know, hugging the pillow real tight 
And I remember just, just crying. Because what I was thinking to myself at the time was, here I am a child. And I'm not like doing anything bad. I was actually doing something good. But here is this adult, like mad. And I just remember just, just feeling really horrible. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm so much older today, but whenever I remember it, 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 it still packs a punch, you know? Yes, well, thank you so much for sharing that. I don't know, like, um, I remember I wrote my I wrote in my book. Um, I gave from university. Um, it's very hard for me to share, but a couple of things that reminded me was when my mom left and I was in a small town, like. 4,000 people and I didn't want anyone to know that I had a problem at home. So I was really overperforming or really trying to be normal. But then my teacher noticed something was wrong. And then when she had a home visit, she told my dad that something is wrong with her. And I didn't think I was wrong. But then I'm like, after that, I said I would never how to be not okay in public and that just stayed with me and i was only like seven eight that mm -hmm. time mm -hmm. and then those kind of things stays with you and i remember yep. my mama was saying that after my mom left oh that you know i don't want to say the b word um left to you and what i would say one is a simple thing like trying to wear my clothes but like maybe I, I wore it upside down or whatever, flip, and then, oh, your mom left. Um, she must have been that way or something. Wow, yeah. I hear a lot of noise from your side. I'm sorry, I didn't hear the last sentence. Um, I hear a lot of noise from your end, or maybe something interfering. Uh, are you hearing noise? I'm, no, I'm in my... I mean, an office here. Okay, okay. Yeah, um, maybe, it's, maybe it's on the outside. If it gets too loud, let me know, and I will go outside. And yes, no problem. My, my apologies. Okay, so um, let's actually, um, I, I really appreciate you sharing that, and then I know those words, and then environment, like, however it was, you know, long time ago, it still mm -hmm. acts you, and then, you know, it's very interesting that the impact that we go through the adversity, kind of have life lasting mm -hmm. effect. It does. Why don't we move on to the second question, which is the tools that you will use to overcome. And then the part of this um, program that I really appreciate from all of my guests my case is like, say, when I try to share my story about child sex abuse and homelessness and bullying, and these are very hard topics. And then people just say, go see a counselor, find a counselor. And I feel like it's good, but at the same time, it's not that easy. And then I tried a lot of modalities. 
some worked and some didn't and then some were extreme and then some not sure but anyways um yeah can you explain maybe the tools that you need that's helpful so yes uh <clears throat> excuse me so again i think a lot of skills that i learned at home even as a child really helped to set the foundation for my ability to thrive and push through um first of all just simply having the wherewithal around knowing how to conduct myself um in different settings um, as a child was very very helpful i also think that the <clears throat> resilience was also very important just having that grit and just sticking with whatever it was and just knowing that even if you know uh, today was a bad day even if nothing went well today just knowing that tomorrow is another day it's another opportunity it's another shot at getting it right um but outside of all of that and i wouldn't describe myself as a religious person today but i'm definitely a spiritual person but at the time as a child i grew up in the church and so the whatever i learned as a child about the idea of god was i would if 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 i were to choose one particular factor that really helped me through was it was a belief in a higher power um that for sure is is really what pulled me through those years if i did not have a belief in a higher power i don't think i would be here today i don't think i would be here sitting and talking with you today so for sure that was that that was definitely i would say the single most important tool that got me through well thank you so much for sharing that and my last question of this podcast is a gift that came from it would you share a gift that came from your university absolutely um the gift of empathy and i kind of alluded to it earlier the fact that i've been through that period has helped me to first of all to understand that not because you see someone and everything seems okay don't make the assumption that everything is okay because you don't know what's going on behind the scenes in fact um <clears throat> now i sometimes see and or speak with some of my um my colleagues from high school and i'm now sharing with them some of the things that i was experiencing during school and they said wow we had we had no clue because you handled it so well you showed up for school you just seemed like everything was okay they didn't even know that i wasn't living with my 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 family they thought i was living with my family so when you see people and even if they're showing up as though everything is honky dory and everything is perfect don't make that assumption because you don't know if that's the case and if you do find out that they're going through whatever it is um just if you can't you know there there's an expression 
<clears throat> that I grew up hearing that says, if you don't have anything positive to say, don't say anything. If, if you can't positively contribute to someone's life, at least don't negatively contribute to it. Because you never know, sort of, you know, be able to empathize with their situation. And particularly, um, I have a very special place in my heart for people who are homeless or who are displaced in some way because of my own experience. So that is the ability to really empathize with others, putting myself in another person's shoe, no matter what it is, is definitely one of the gifts that I got from this um, adverse experience that I had as a child. Well, Damien, thank you so much for sharing that. And my request for the guests, um, if you know or if we have people that are listening to this, it's going through a very difficult day today or right now, what is your advice? My advice is to know that tomorrow is another day. It doesn't matter how grim things look today. There are many, many stories. And one of the things that I, I would actually urge um, anyone is to try to find motivational um, um, to, uh, sort of vloggers and listen to those people. Expose your mind to people who have been through similar things. And through hearing their stories, you will understand that there are many others who have been in your shoe and who have overcome. So I, I know it, it seems sometimes like there's just no way out. Everything that you've tried has just not worked. Um, you know, you look to the left, the right, wherever it just seems so hopeless. But do understand that sometimes a door can be opened by just meeting one person. And you never know who you may meet come the next day. There are many, many stories and examples that I have had that I can speak to. And that's one of the reasons why I really do want to you know, write a short book just to talk about these things. So my advice to anyone who is experiencing anything right now um, just understand that tomorrow is an opportunity for change. Thank you. I had a very tough day today. So thank wow. you. It's so um, powerful. I know sometimes when you are having a hard day and um, you just don't know what the tomorrow is. Mm -hmm. And then you, you never know who you're going to meet tomorrow. Yep, absolutely. And, Sometimes today seems forever. Yeah, absolutely. There are many people out there who, who have stories that they could share that could speak of them feeling like, okay, there's nothing, this is the end. And um, they go somewhere, they meet someone, and that person is just placed in your life at the right time. Sometimes 
they, it, sometimes it could be a, a, a tangible gift that they're able to give you, or sometimes it's a word. It's something that they share with you that gives you that strength just to keep going one more day and one more day and one more day. Um, I've had those experiences in my life. I have had many a times when I have just been so physically and spiritually and mentally exhausted. And I literally will just run into a complete stranger. And the things that they share with me just somehow infuses some level of life and strength. And that's all I needed to just get me one more to one more step in life's journey. I truly appreciate you coming to my podcast and sharing those words. And it is really touching my heart right now. And I'm sure the people who are going through a hard day, that will encourage them. And my goal for starting this podcast was exactly this, that we share our adversities. Mm-hmm unapologetically normalize this conversation about mental health and difficult days that we do have. It was a very challenging day for me. Mm-hmm. Just to share a little bit, yesterday there was mass shooting in Texas and I a journalist, I was trying to share some comments from local moms who are very anxious to send kids to school. And I was working all day and then I got an email and then phone calls that there was potential active shooter at my daughter's house, uh, school. And then the police came and then state troopers and lockdown and I just Everything was false alarm, but still right. for the right. fact that um, a lot of children, I've heard they were praying, they're making video saying, I love you, mom. Not sure if I can come home. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Well, wow, I, wow, I'm so sorry that happened. I'm so glad that it, it was a positive outcome. But again, to your point, that is why platforms like these are so important, right? Because it's not always about a solution. It's really more about a community of people coming together and supporting one another. Because in these times, it's not always about the answer because there are times that we're not gonna know the answer to a lot of these things that are happening. But, so I'll share this piece this with you real quick. So um, in the mental health world, one of the things that we have learned is that a lot of people who end up acting, sort of succumbing to their um, feeling of hopelessness, it's not so much because of the issues and the problems that they're having. It's when people begin feeling alone and begin feeling as though they're by they're, they're dealing with this by themselves and they don't have support. 
that is when you begin to see um, people um, taking drastic steps, um, um, steps. So I guess what I'm saying is we all know that part of living is, or part of life is dealing with adversity. There's something about the human spirit that understands that. And that is why people tend to rise to the occasion and end up being a lot more resilient than you think they're capable of. There's something in the human spirit that understands that. But when we really succumb is when we feel like we're alone. And so I think that this movement that you have created through this podcast is helping to create that, where people can come, share their stories. People who are listening can hear that they're not alone. And just knowing that you're not alone helps you get through these adverse times. Absolutely. And I appreciate that so much. And for all of my guests from all over the world so far, they have shared so many difficult stories, unbelievable stories. And I can't thank all my guests enough, including yourself, for sharing your adversity and tools and then the gift that came from it. And then, yeah, tomorrow is a different day. Indeed. Well, you know, thank you for the opportunity to share. I really am so happy we ran into each other at the conference. Absolutely. And fellow, my fellow Rotarians, and we do great things in the world. I'm very Mm -hmm. proud to be Mm -hmm. a Rotarian and very happy that we got to meet at the district conference and hopefully we can do some cool projects together. Yes. um, In fact, um, you know, come this new Rotary year, I'm going to be even much more active. So I'm sure that we are going to be talking again. I'm sure this will not be the last. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Damien, for coming to my show. And thank you for our audience to listening uh, to be listening to my show. And we'll see you next time. Awesome. Thanks for the invitation and have a wonderful evening. And all the best to you and your, your daughter. Thank you. Okay.